everybody peace 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 welcome back welcome back to the robot afro show according to a google search my name is chandler and apparently i am still your host i don't know how you wound up at these coordinates at this weird and wacky hour of 2 21 a.m but you're here i'm here not having a beer um yeah all right so I want to start off today's today. It's not today, it's tonight. Well, technically it's today since it is two something in the morning. So, all right, let me, hold on. Hold on, guys, hold on. Hold the dice. Let me center myself. Let me chill on out. Breathe in. Breathe out. (sighs) You are one with the microphone. (sighs) The microphone is one with you, and you are one with the universe, not the metaverse. Okay, so this is my Halloween show, and Halloween has always held a special place in my heart since I was a child. I have always loved horror. Um, probably fell in love with horror at a really young age. I want to say like around eight or so. Like I started getting a, a hankering, if that's the right terminology for horror. Started getting a feel for it. But it was always kind of like on the periphery of what I had access to as a child. And, but one of the, the earliest, um, movies that really set it off for me, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm in the future as always hanging out in the future. Okay. What I want to get to is I want to do a top five, right? I wanted my top five horror films, which this turned into one of the craziest exercises that I have ever done. I've never had a harder time trying to come up. I mean, it's easier for me to come up with a top five for comic books. It's easier for me to come up with a top five anything. But for some reason, horror, this was so hard because there are so many categories and subcategories. And, you know, you got... Your zombie horror, you got your vampires, you got your werewolves, you got your slashers, you got your space horror, you know, you just have, you got your, your, just so many different kinds that it's like, I, I didn't know whether I should break it into different kinds. And I said, you know something, I'm being, I'm doing too much here. So what I'm going to do is first and foremost, first and foremost, I've been talking for five minutes, what I want to st- do right here is I want to, before I go any further, I would like to dedicate this episode of the Robot Afro Show to my boy Fat Kev. Rest in peace. 
Um, the reason why I can call him Fat Kev is because that's what we called him. That's what the guys called him. That's what he he was known as. He never he didn't take offense to it. He was Fat Kev, very handsome guy, very talented guy, great friend of mine since the fifth grade. Okay, he came and it was one of those situations where a teacher put him in my class. He came and he sat right down next to me, and we were friends for life until the day he passed. Okay. Um, so back in the early eighties, when I was in the fifth grade, you know, during the horse and buggy age, my friends, um, my boy, Jamal, who is still a very dear friend to me, still a brother and my boy, Fat Kev, AKA Dap, AKA Kevin Dowdy, um, AKA Big Kev. The three of us would go to the movies every weekend in the Bronx, New York City, on Fordham Road. Now, it was a very different time back then. So we would go to, there were like a bunch of theaters on Fordham Road back then. So you had the RKO, you had the Lowe's Paradise, you had the Valentine, you had, um, yeah, I think that's it. And um, so whatever, you know, we would look in the paper, whatever was coming out or whatever was out that we hadn't seen, we were going to see it. And a lot of times it wound up being horror. We saw a lot of great horror films. I'll tell you a really funny story. Well, I'll get to that later. Anyway, so like I said, this episode is dedicated. Look at me trying to tell stories within stories already. <laughs> okay, so like I said, this episode is dedicated to Fat Kev. And I'm going to get into my top five horror movies. This is not in any order, okay? These top five, I, I couldn't, I could not put them in order. I don't know what is my favorite horror film. Maybe I'll have to come to that. Maybe by the end of this, I'll get to that. But um, so I'm going to start with Dawn of the Dead, the 1978 George Romero classic that, Ironically, even though it comes after Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead is not necessarily a direct sequel. It, you know, it, it, it seems like it would be. And for all intents and purposes, we all consider it to be one. But uh, it's not a direct sequel. But um, according to what George Romero once said, but... Um, did I just make that up? <laughs> but, um, anyway, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. So in 1978, this movie came out. I was about eight or nine years old. I think I was nine. And um, I'll never forget. I'd seen the commercial and I was like, oh, my God, that looks so creepy. But I was drawn to it. It was like, if there's no more room in hell, the dead shall walk the earth. You know, that was the log line. That was the tagline. And I was hooked by that word. I was like, oh, that was such brilliant writing. I was like, I was like philosophically breaking it down as like, you know, a child. And I was like, I have to see this movie. That just sounds fantastically creepy. So, but it's like my dream was shattered because my mom would not allow it. And um, so the weekend comes around and so I'm going to the movies with my sister 
And she's like, what do you want to see? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, we can go see, like, whatever was out that was, you know, just kid appropriate. I was like, and my sister was like, nah, man, we're going to see Dawn of the Dead. And I was like, yo, you are lying. No, we're not. No, we're not. All the way till we get to the theater and we get to the ticket booth and she purchases the tickets. And I'm like, holy shit. Under 17, not admitted without an adult. And so it was like, yes, I'm going to the movies with my sister, going to see Dawn of the Dead. I'm fucking shitting a brick, but I'm excited. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And this is what I remember, like, one of the, the, the most. Sitting down, the mood, lights go down, the movie starts, and you, you get into that opening sequence where I, I forget her name right now and I don't have a note on it, but the lead actress is, she's like laying on the carpet and she's got the, you know, it's like a red carpet. So it really stands out. She has blonde hair. I'm kicking myself for not having written her name down or not even knowing her name in the movie. But, um, and she's like having a nightmare or having, and, and, you, you don't know what's going on. You don't know if, like, you know, zombies trying to get her or what. But when it, like, pans out and everything, you see that she's actually in the middle of this, like, taking a nap in the middle of this chaotic newsroom where there's, like, a break, the breakdown of, like, societies going on outside of this newsroom. And it's like you have this chaos going on inside because the zombie apocalypse is happening but it's so realistic and it's got this music dun, 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 dun. it's got this music and you don't know what you, you know people are yelling at each other they're arguing people are threatening to quit there's people having a serious conversation on air there's a guy clowning the guy having the conversation they're talking about zombies they don't know if the zombies are real they're talking about monsters the guy is like the dead get up and they go after people and eat them and then they get up and go after and eat people and they're throwing papers and it's just chaos and um the dude who's who's um the the, the pilot he comes in and he goes to get the chick and he, he and he's telling her he's trying to you know, tell her, he's like, you know, we got to get out of here. And I just remember him saying, we've got to survive. Someone's got to survive. And I'm just like, I'm shook. I'm in. I'm like, oh, shit, this is intense. And then it starts and it is the most gory, bloody, nasty, shocking, weird thing I had ever seen. It's people getting shot, getting their heads blown off, biting people, biting their flesh away. And I had never seen anything like this before. And I was like, oh, my God, I was hooked. Movie scared me to death. So the whole way home, I'm like all fucking freaked out and shit. But I'm excited at the same time. So like I'm talking to my sisters about my sister about it. And she's like, yo, whatever you do. You can't tell mom. Don't ever let mom know you saw Dawn of the Dead. You better, if you do, I'm a lie and say I, I didn't take you. And um, so, you know, we're joking about it. And um, this was, we lived on, Kings, on um, Kingsbridge and Cedric. So 
we get around the way and we're right at that corner store right there on Cedric Avenue and Kingsbridge. And uh, my sister says, Hey man, uh, can you get home? Okay. I'm about to go hang out. Just tell mom I walked you upstairs. And I'm like, Oh, I'm playing it off. I'm like, Oh no, cool. No problem. Get in the building. This building I lived in was long, man. This building is like a city block long. I was in there shitting a brick. I was like, Holy fuck. Holy fuck, I got to get upstairs by myself. So I'm like waiting around for an adult to come in. An adult comes in and I'm like looking at this dude out of the corner of my eye. Like, is he going to turn into a zombie? Like, I'm fucking shook because I'm nine. Okay. And I'd never seen anything like this before. And, um, you know, this traumatized me. So I get upstairs and I promise you. This hallway is longer than fucking Pinocchio's nose. This shit goes on forever. It looks like something out of a nightmare. And I, I'm, I'm shook. And I'm going down the hallway and I'm just like, please, God, don't let the lights turn off. Don't let any zombies come out after me. Don't let the zombie apocalypse happen until I get to my door. And I get in the house and I'm terrified, but I'm excited and I am hooked. Okay, I'm hooked. I mean, that movie was brilliant. I I've never, you know, nowadays, you know, we're so jaded by zombies because you have just a plethora of everything. You can imagine you got giant zombies, fast zombies, slow zombies, um, weird zombies, zombies jumping out of trees, coming out of the water. You got all kinds of zombies. You got zombie cartoons. They have they're just in every part of our culture. And um you know, I, I, I've i always been a fan specifically of Romero's because what was scary to me was, well, not even so much what was scary yet. What I loved was, and that what he pulled me in with right away was the social commentary of it all. It was the human angst. It was the people arguing and debating. It was the real world conversation, which was... Uh, the membrane surrounding surrounding it all was this conversation, but then at the heart of it was this zombie thing. So, and vice versa, you know, you could put one on the outside and the other one in the inside, you know, and, and it always kind of like uh, went back and forth, you know, where the zombie thing was more important, but then the social commentary or the personal story. And it was like such good writing, you know, for a zombie movie. Um, for, for, of course I, I, it was just great to me back then, but you know, now I look at it and I'm just like, Whoa, man, George Romero was bad motherfucker. Um, and so, uh, one of the other things that intrigued me too, was there was a black man in this movie. You know, there weren't black people in all these horror movies back in the day. And, um, it wasn't just that he was in it. He was prominently in it. Okay. Um, his, uh, I know in the movie, his name was Peter. His name is real name is Ken Foray. And yeah, I believe he played Peter. Um, and he wasn't actually the first because in night of the living dead, ironically, the, he also had a black protagonist, um, who played, uh, what was his name? Dwayne Jones. And I think he played Ben. Um, I could be wrong about that. But um, and then, of course, in the 2004 remake uh, with 
which was the screenplay was by George Romero and James Gunn. Ironically, you had Ving Rhames and Mackay Pfeiffer um, in that one prominently. So which I, I really like Zack Snyder's version. I like it. I don't love it like I do the original Dawn of the Dead. But I think it was a worthy successor because it, you know, had the fast moving zombies. What I really liked about the slow zombies was it was the accumulation of them. You know, it was like kind of like the accumulation of snow. At first, the snow is not it's harmless. It's fun. It comes down. You know, you can kind of, you know, push it away. You're not even really thinking about it. Next thing you know, you see it starting to see an accumulation and then you're fully covered before you even know it. Everything's white. So the, the slow moving zombies were like that. And I mean, the, just the whole scene with the shopping mall, not the scene, the setting with this shopping mall and them taking full advantage of it in a way in George Romero's in, in the original that they really just didn't capture in Zack Snyder's. That was the one part of it where I was like, they just didn't capture the 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 whole essence of how people would behave if they had access to everything in a shopping mall and in the 1978 version you really get that feel like they're walking around in fur coats they they got diamonds they got guns you know they eating fancy dinners they you know it's just a mall a fully functioning mall at your disposal at in the zombie apocalypse and the 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 sad thing was even as a kid i was like this is not gonna last dude it's not gonna last you're gonna screw it up and of course you know everything that can go wrong does go wrong and so dawn of the dead could possibly be my number one I'm not necessarily just because I'm starting it with number one, but um, it is really high up there and it would be hard to beat. Okay, number two, John Carpenter's The Thing, okay, which is a remake, I believe, from... um, what was it called? The the first one, the, the thing from outer space or thing from another world. That's what it was called. The thing from another world. And it was based on a 1938 novella called Who Goes There? Yeah, I actually got that. I believe that's true. <laughs> um, it was filmed in Los Angeles on the soundstage and in Alaska. And it was... Uh, it, the thing was different because I it, let me let me go back a little bit. So the 1951 version, the thing from another world was more so like a classic. There's a flying saucer that crashes. It's up in the Arctic. They go investigate. They bring the the they they can't bring back the ship because they destroy it somehow or they render it. Um, inaccessible by putting these thermite bombs that they were going to thaw it out, but then it sank it or whatever, but they still had the, the occupant from the ship who was frozen in the ice and they decide to thaw him out and in this big block of ice and they take him back to the campsite. Excuse me. 
My mom always does that when she drinks. <sighs> and now I do it too. Even nobody's around. It's like, <sighs> um, so, so they bring them back and, and, and ultimately the same thing happens in the 1982 John Carpenter version. Um, which ironically it was done the makeup and the special effects, which are the, some of the best ever were done by Stan Winston and Rob Botton. Okay. Which they teamed up again to do the howling later on, which their makeup was great in the howling as well, which was another classic. But, um, so, so in the 1951 version, it's more of like when the thing does get free, He's more of like almost like a Frankenstein type monster. And, you know, you got these kind of, you know, they're shooting at him. He gets his arm caught in the door, set on fire, you know, things like that. Dude, when you see the difference and talk about a reason for a remake, John Carpenter's remake was as it, it was like the, I would compare the difference to something like, you know how Empire was so much deeper than Star Wars or how um, Winter Soldier was so much of a leap from Captain America First Avenger? I mean, this is how different John Carpenter's thing was. It was, first of all, dude, let's just put this in the proper context. It takes place in this Arctic um, research facility there is not one woman in this movie okay and i'm telling you it's still great <laughs> okay hard to believe not one woman not one beautiful woman and it was still awesome however in the 1951 version there was a woman and she was like a pinup she was attractive too she was too as if i was talking about another woman but she was attractive um but in this one, no woman. Um, and also, ironically, you had in the cast, along with Kurt Russell, who played Mac, who was excellent. I mean, just the perfect protagonist in this role. I mean, his cadence, the way he delivered his lines, hit the lines that he had, the situation, everything. Awesome. And then you had Keith David playing Childs. Keith David with that extremely um, unique voice that just commands your attention you had Wilford Brimley um who I believe he's passed away now he played Blair um Dr. Blair and then you had another black dude T.K. Carter who was the cook so it wasn't like one of those movies where you only had the black guy and he's the cook and everyone else is 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 everything else no you also had Keith David in there too um uh the thing, what made the thing so unique was, okay, same situation where they bring the thing back, but when they find the thing, the thing had already killed everyone in this research facility, and then they bring it back. It's this, like, it's this fucked up looking shit, as opposed to this Frankenstein monster. It's this, what's one of those, how in the hell the piss and the shit did Stan Winston and Botten come up with this thing? Like geniuses okay you cannot recreate this which was evidenced by the remake of john carpenter's thing which i ain't even going into when it was made whenever it just doesn't compare um it almost shouldn't have been called the thing and i don't want to shit on piss on it too bad i'm gonna watch it again 
you know, just so I could, you know, kind of like pull it in to family a little bit. But uh, I'm going to give that one a watch. I watched it one time and you know how something is like you get just turned off like, oh, that's just not my era. It's not my thing. You know, probably like older guys from the night looked at the 1951 thing and then, you know, who were fans of it. Then when they got to John Carpenter's, they was like, that movie's just a mess. Just pissing and shitting all over the place and dogs. I don't want to see that. You know, so they probably feel the same way. Um, but so, so in this movie though, I mean, the special effects, it was like Stan Winston and Botten, man, they put their toe in it. I mean, it was like one freaky thing happening after the other. And it was like, everyone was trying to find out who's the thing, who's the thing, who's the thing. And then of course you get to the famous scene where they do the test. And um, to see who's the thing, the blood test. And then they're all tied to a chair and each one who passes the test, they, you know, put the hot wire to the blood. And then I like the scene when somebody, when the guy goes, somebody got to the blood. <laughs> but um, so they do this uh, hot wire test on the blood. And, you know, each time, you know, they do it, they can untie the next person because they're like, well, he's not the thing. He passed the test. And then they go to the next person. And he he passed the test. And so you're sitting there like, damn, who's the thing? And then they do it to the last guy and shit jumps out of the Petri dish and up into the ceiling. It is the freakiest, scariest, craziest I can't look away, but I want to look away scene you have ever seen. I love that scene. And when they're going crazy in the chair, oh, get me out, get me out. Because he's turning into the thing and his head is splitting. And he's got all these appendages and things flying out and all this liquid squirting. Man, <sighs> the thing was something else. That is, un it is unmatched to this day. As Deontay Wilder would say, to this day, to this day, it is unmatched. The thing is a classic. It is a thing of beauty. No pun intended. Maybe just a little bit. So, um, so we have, because uh, I, I know I'm going to take up so much time in each one of these. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff. But I will come back to it. So let me cross it off my list. Talked about the thing. Talked about Dawn of the Dead. And the next item up for bids is a new car. No. The next one up is this one also. These are like, you know, each one of these, they're like, they're like horror kids. <laughs> you know, I love each one of them. So, so much. And so the next one up is American Werewolf in London, which was directed by John Landis. And the special effects were by the master, Rick Baker. <sighs> My God. You, this movie came out in, uh, uh, eight, what was it, 81? Did American Werewolf in London come out? Yeah, I think it came out in, ah, shit. I lost it when it came out, but, um, yeah, it, it was in the early eighties. So American welfare, I promise you there has never been a better looking werewolf done ever. Never. 
I challenge you to look, pick any movie. I challenge anyone, anybody that's in the sci-fi special effects. You have never seen a better looking werewolf than Stan Winston's werewolf from American Werewolf in London. Not to be confused with that bullshit sequel that I don't even want to say the name. Um, the movie had the greatest jump scares ever for me in a movie. It was like every time you thought it was a jump scare was over, they would trick you and you would get scared again and you would think it was over and you would get scared again. And it was like the makeup was amazing. The, you know, each monster, each werewolf just, you know, in different scenes looked great. Um, uh, uh, I would, and then the, the the werewolf had such a distinctive howl. The werewolf's howl in American Werewolf in London was as distinct as Godzilla's. You know, uh, I can't do the. You know, Godzilla does that. You know that noise that you would be like, no dinosaur is making that noise. But now you couldn't dream of having a Godzilla movie without hearing that noise. You hear that noise right away, it's instantly recognizable. Well, to me, the American werewolf howl is like that. I can't make that noise. Um I can't believe I made that Godzilla noise though. Um remember baby Godzilla? <laughs> Uh, but the transformation, the werewolf transformation, it was so dope because, um, when homeboy is at, so, so let me just start off with the beginning where, you know, you have the two guys in there walking, tra la 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 la, walking along the moors, the highlands, whatever, wherever they are. I don't remember if they were in Scotland or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, they, there, it's getting late. They stop at a bar in this like little town and shit, the slaughtered lamb. And the the locals there are just mean and unwelcoming and assholes. And they send them on their way. That bar scene is fantastic. And I, one of my favorite things as a kid, I knew I was going to love that movie because that guy told that joke with that heavy ass fucking uh, Scottish accent. And it was one of the funniest things I had ever heard. I couldn't stop telling that joke for like five years. And, <laughs> and he's like, but the plane was still too heavy. So well, he chokes out the Mexican. Like the whole joke was hilarious. But um, <laughs> um, so they send the two boys out you know, without feeding them or whatever, or, you know, and, and they, they, you know, and they're like, we can't, after they leave, the ladies like the barkeeps, like we can't let them go. They're going to get killed because they know the werewolf is out there. And then that while um, Jack and his dude are out there and they're, they're walking along, they get attacked by the werewolf. Jack gets torn ap apart. How is it possible that we cannot replicate special effects like that anymore. I challenge you to look at Jack being look go look it up on YouTube. Go look up the the effects for American Werewolf in London. Look up Jack. The like and this guy rots throughout the movie. 
I don't want to give it all away in case you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen American Wolf in London by this point, something fucking wrong with you. Um, but um, the the makeup is amazing. Yeah, okay, it, it unparalleled, unmatched. You cannot, uh, you you can't beat it. Okay, um, like I said, the sequel was the worst. But the thing that really solidified American Werewolf in London was the transformation, because the surviving guy, um, and I can't think of his name right now, but um, but I can remember Jack, cause just get all the screaming, Jack, Jack. When he got torn up, but um, they oh David, David, yeah, sorry, it's late. So David, who gets bitten by the werewolf, he winds up meeting some hot nurse in the hospital. She takes him home. <laughs> they wind up. He winds up staying with her. She thinks he's a little bit crazy, but he's cute, you know, because he got bit by this werewolf. She feels sorry for him. He keeps having these dreams, and in the dreams, he keeps seeing like Jack and. All of this crazy, creepy shit. He's running in the forest. He's drinking fucking animal blood. And he, he's like, in next full moon, in three days, I'm going to turn into a werewolf. So she doesn't believe him. She goes to work. He's home. And he transforms. And the transformation is still unmatched to this day. To this day. To this day. To this day. Still unmatched. Okay? It's fucking awesome. And, um, of course, there's a lot of killing and da-da-da-da, you know, and great fucking movie. So, <laughs> I mean, we've only gotten through three, okay? Um, and we've got two more. And next item, let's see, because I, I took notes for this one. Uh, just going to get dicey after this. It's going to get a little, uh, you'll see. So, number four is Carrie. Carrie, which came out in 1976. I'm going to go a little bit faster. And it was um, directed by Brian De Palma. It was adapted from um, the horror master Stephen King. It starred Sissy Spacek, who was Carrie White, John Travolta, and Amy Irving. Great cast. No black people. <laughs> but we forgive it. Um, it was... The man, everything I love, everything about Carrie, except for no black people. No, I'm just kidding again. Um, no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. I really did love, like, first of all, there's something about that movie. You cannot recreate or recapture that movie. The short shorts they were wearing. <laughs> okay, like all the girls had on these like short shorts and shit. Like the fucking, the teacher smoking. The teacher fucking smacking one of the students. The way they talk to each other. The cadence in their voices. The scenarios. The car. The clothes. Just everything about the look and the feel of Carrie was awesome. The music. Um... Then you had her creepy, you know, you had Sissy Spacek, who was Carrie. You had her creepy-ass mom, who was like this super religious zealot who wouldn't let her go anywhere. And everybody was teasing Carrie because she was that weird-ass religious girl. And they would call her all these fucking names and shit. But Carrie had like these, you didn't know if it was like telekinetic powers. So it could have been like a, she could have been an X-Men situation or if she was actually evil. 
And, um, but you know, she would do little things like slam lockers and stuff like that. And people would be like, you're weird. And, you know, and then it all culminates in the, 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 the famous prom scene where, uh, Carrie is asked to go to the prom, you know, she makes a big deal with it, with her mom. Her mom knows she has powers. And so the mom won't let her go, which is the, a great scene where she's telling her, she's like, you got your dirty pillows exposed. And, you know, and cause Carrie was get dressed up. And, um, one of the, you know, good looking guy in school asks her to go, who also has a girlfriend, um, Amy Irving. And he asks her to go to the prom and not Amy Irving because they feel bad because the, the Carrie got teased. And so they set it up, you know, but not in a bad way. They really wanted Carrie to have a good time. She goes there. Somebody pulls a prank on her. They do the pig blood. They drop all the pig blood on her after she gets her homecoming queen. You know, she's all happy. They're at the prom. She's smiling. You know, and then you get the famous scene where they tug the the girl who's like she that get Carrie got this girl suspended because they were teasing her, and and um and then gym teacher and the girl get into it. That's where slapping comes in, I believe, <laughs> and um, so she's gonna get revenge on Carrie and and her boyfriend or not her boyfriend and the guy that took her to the prom, but really Carrie. So they put this a, a bucket of pig blood. Um, up on in the rafters and as Carrie's like, you know, receiving her flowers and her crown and everything. And this is like her shining moment where she's confirmed that like, yes, I'm normal. They like me. They really, really like me. And then they yank on the cord and the pig blood comes pouring all over Carrie and she's got, it's just the most shocking scene of this girl in this dress with like one eye open and she's like, she's horrified. And it's like, she's gonna, her little power displays. Oh, and then the bucket comes down and hits. I think the guy's name was Tommy and the bucket hits him in the head and knocks him out. And so Carrie just goes full on ding, 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 and starts fucking using a telekinesis, locks all the doors, causes a fire, First, she's like fucking spraying the water hose around. You know, the the scene was just shot. It was amazing. Uh, I mean, it was directed so well. And um, she basically burns all the kids in the school alive. And um, man, and then goes home and has this like fucking crazy fight with her mom you know after she's washing all the blood off first she goes and she kills a bunch more people like john travolta and everybody else and goes after them then goes home then she gets into it with her mom and then oh my god that movie was fucking crazy but it's such a good movie man you cannot beat that movie um and then to top it all off it has the it has one of the greatest endings of all time. The thing also had a really great ending. Uh, but, um, and the other endings were good, but Carrie's ending, man, everybody, Carrie's ending is like one of those things that every, like the ring, everybody remembers what happened in the ring. Everybody remembers what happened at the end of Carrie. 
that was like so shocking and it was haunting. It's still creepy. It's still, if you are looking for a creepy ass movie to watch and you've never seen the original 1976 Carrie, trust me, you'll love any of the movies that I talked about here. So, okay, here's where we're getting into a little bit of a danger zone. Highway to the danger zone. Sorry, it's all the 80s stuff. All right. Um, remember on Happy Days, remember Pinky Tuscadero? And she used to go, later. All right. Um, so here's where we're getting into it now, where this is going to get a little difficult for me. So my fifth movie that I was placing as my all-time favorite, I really can't do it. I can't do it because I have to disassociate myself from this movie. At least I think so. Um, and I'm really, listen, I am open to all thoughts on this and I'm open to discussion on this. I could be right. I could be wrong. I could be strong. I don't know. That's why I'm discussing it with you guys. Rosemary's Baby. Okay. 1968 Roman Polanski director screenplay he did the same thing um starred Mia Farrow as Rosemary Clooney now here's the thing I don't think I should be discussing this movie because all of the controversy with Roman Polanski so let me explain some something to you I for a long time I was unaware of the allegations that were leveled against Roman Polanski so I saw Carrie as a youngster, right? I used to sneak out into the living room and watch movies and stuff really late at night, like on the weekends after everybody was asleep, specifically horror movies, because I, I started getting like addicted to them. So I saw Carrie, like, I mean, Carrie, I saw Rosemary's Baby really early on and um, I fell in love with it. It was just everything about it. It was like the... The it, it became almost like comfort horror, <laughs> you know. It was like it had that, it had the 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 building cult, you know. It it was it was like the ultimate gaslighting movie. It had camera angles. It kind of defined the genre of like less is more. The Branford building setting, her dream sequence, you know, everything, everything. The book, all them witches, everything about that movie, I love, right. So, but then I I knew that the director, Roman Polanski, had the situation where his fiance, I believe it was his fiance or wife, but I think she was, Sharon Tate was his fiance. And he, very famous case. So Roman Polanski was not home with his fiance. Um, and they were literally attacked by Charles Manson and his cult. They broke into the house. And Charles Manson had all of his, you know, his cult, I forget what he called those girls, but he had them, you know, stab Sharon Tate to death. And I believe she was pregnant. And, um, you know, so that's the controversy I knew about Roman Polanski. Um, apparently, this guy was like, according to, you know, all of the literature 
and the articles that I've read and the things I've seen, he was raping young girls who were in their teens. Now, I don't know enough about this to be definite, to have anything definitive to say. I mean, I read some stuff. I read, you know, kind of, you know, little bullet points about what happened. I know he fled to England and then to France, and then he was arrested someplace else like Switzerland like years later and he's been back and forth and this and that and he basically fled and for a while he was like a fugitive he was like I don't think he's wanted anymore but Hollywood never really disassociated themselves from from him so it's almost like a weird R. Kelly kind of situation and um, so I'm gonna strike Rosemary's Baby from my list. I can't call it my favorite anymore because I can't look at it the same. I'm going to do a deep dive for myself just on what happened with Roman Polanski and kind of take a look at, at what he did. You know, like I said, you know, I, I, I pretty much complete some degree of ignorance here because I, I'm not fully versed on exactly what took place. But I do know there were several ac accusations over a number of many years where young actresses and people who worked in the industry said that he raped them. And I'm, you know, I'm not the type where it's like, believe all women. No, I don't believe all women. Okay. Some women lie, but when you have a bunch of women saying the same thing, I'm going to tend to err on the side of those women. And think that there's some there there. And then you ran. And I knew that I know that he was going to get the book thrown at him. But um, I would really have loved to have seen the evidence. And I'm going to listen. I could be wrong, but I'm siding on the side of the women. And so I can't I can't I can't I, I wrestled with it and taking Rosemary's baby off my list. So now here's where it gets a little difficult for me. OK. I tried to come up with an alternative of my favorites. I couldn't do it. Listen to, listen to, this was my list of my alternatives. Jacob's Ladder, uh, Salem's Lot, Scanners, Alien, The Mist, The Sixth Sense, The, the Descent, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Lost Boys, Halloween, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, you could, dude, I could go on and on and on. I can't pick a fifth one. So I'm actually, I think I'm going to punk out here. I think I'm going to punk out on the fifth one. I can't choose it. When I look at Jacob's Ladder, I'm like, Jacob's Ladder was like the best what the fuck. Okay. I love that movie. Oh my God. I couldn't stop that for the longest time. Jacob's Ladder was like my, dude, have you seen Jacob's Ladder? You got to watch this movie. It was so fucking awesome. Like I was telling everybody about it. Um, uh, I love when, um, uh, damn it, I can't forget the actresses. Um, um, uh, Pena, I can't remember her name, the Spanish actress who passed away. She was so beautiful. But um, 
I love, you know, and in the movie, she kind of like split lives between her and another actress that um, Jacob was going back and forth in between. And uh, but my favorite part of the movie, <laughs> I always love like weird parts, but I love the, the part when she goes, what's the matter with you, Jake? Screaming like that. <laughs> Sorry. But um, uh, so that's the best. What the fuck? Then Salem's Lot was just so weird and so creepy, like vampire movie. Stand back. Uh, this, you let the monsters, the monsters coming. You know, like the guy's voice. I loved him. I love, look at me, teacher. Look at me. That part was fucking, fucked me up for years, man. Fucked me up up the kid tapping at the window the vampire to let him in i love that movie um then you got scanners i went to see that in the movies when fucking michael ironside first thing he does in the movies blow somebody's head apart that was the first time i ever saw somebody like that fuck me up okay then i think about alien and i'm like eh, is this really horror or is it space horror is it a subcategory is it the same then you got like the mist and i'm like is this actually horror or a giant monster movie and do giant monster movies classify as horror or is it a subcategory is it a separate category by the way the mist has the most fucked up ending of all time and you want to hear something really weird about the mist you know what the mist does for me I watched The Mist and I said, great movie, by the way. But you know what it made me think? The Mist actually seems like part one of Cloverfield. Like if you ever want to look at Cloverfield and The Mist together, together, I promise you they should repackage them as um, The Mist being the prequel or the first part of Cloverfield. Talk about doing a Cloverfield paradox. They should have renamed that shit because, first of all, The Mist has the most fucked up ending in the history of cinema. That's the most fucked up ending I've ever seen in my life. That shit depressed me. Okay. Um, but it actually ends to me where Cloverfield begins. Giant monster appears out of nowhere. Well, at the end, giant monsters show up coming through this breach. And that they, you know, uh, open this gateway up or whatever. But anyway, um, the sixth sense, you know, the creepy, I see dead people, creepy mystery. You had the descent, you know, which was an all girl power flick, um, kind of like Kurt Russell's The Thing, which was all men. But the descent was all women. I love that movie. That's like my my a, a comfort horror movie for me, too. Like I could actually put the descent on to go to sleep because it's such a comfortable movie does anybody else feel like that with different movies i know it's weird to say that with a horror movie but the descent is kind of like comfort horror to me it's like go to sleep <laughs> anyway um sorry it's late it's 3 11 um another one of my favorites invasion of the body snatchers which is fuels my whole paranoia mechanism um mechanism <laughs> the word why would i put that there but it fuels my whole like you know um it just it it just you know like i i love movies about paranoia but the person's paranoid but it's like is it really are you really paranoid if it's really happening <laughs> kind of thing you know 
Um, so I love that movie, and uh, Jeff Goldblum's in it. Um, um, Donald Sutherland, um, Leonard Nimoy, great fucking cast. The only dumb thing is that fucking scene with that dog at the end. That is the dumbest, weirdest shit to put in a movie. I don't know why they did that. Anybody, somebody talk to me. Talk to me, Goose. Why would they do that? Um, Lost Boys, hilarious, hilarious, cool-ass movie. Worms, Michael. You're eating worms. (laughs) Um, Great fucking movie. Uh, Vampire movie, one of the best ever. Halloween. I mean, come on. Michael Myers, classic. Um, Just... Uh, we need a we need a Michael Myers versus Jason Voorhees movie. Like that needs to happen. I don't know why they did Freddy versus Jason. I thought that was such a stupid idea. It's like really Freddy versus Jason. Come on, man. Come on. It's like how could y'all not do Michael Myers versus? Uh, it, and then you could have had Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. You could have had one of them versus like Leatherface. That would work. But to Jason and Freddy, uh, dumb. Um, also, so, and Slasher, that's another thing. It's like our Slashers, it, they could be like another category, a sub, they are a subcategory within horror. And so, you know, it was like, dude, I didn't want to leave out like a slasher because I love slasher movies like the original Scream and, you know, um, you know, all of these things. So then I had, you know, like Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is, you know, the classic vampire movie. I go on and on and on and on. So you, as you can see, trying to come up with something to compare to to uh, to fit in the slot of Rosemary's Baby, it's just really hard for me to do, and I swear to you, look, I'm gonna put a circle around these movies, okay? I'm gonna put a cycle there, cycle, and I am gonna go back to that at some point. I am going to come up with an honest number five because I feel like it's kind of a ripoff that I didn't say what my number five is. You know, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it right now. Um, so before I go into the next real category category, um, oh, I, let's see. You know what? Jason Voorhees versus Michael Myers. Um, kill, 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 cam, cam. That's like one of those distinctive things like the Jaws. But you know something? Jaws is also a horror movie. One of the greatest of all time. You know? And it's in a category of its own. But um, anyway, I'm getting, you know, I'm in like a little sub thing here. Sub universe. My pocket universe. But um, you know what Jason versus um, Michael Myers reminds me of? It's like the... Prince versus Michael Jackson of slasher movies. <laughs> you know, we need to make that happen. Let's make that happen. Okay. So, so I want to also, um, I was going to go into some other little things, but I think I'm going to go right into another top five. Okay. It won't be as long. We'll do with this one, my top five scary movies. So not necessarily my favorites, 
although to to some degree they are among my favorites, but these are some of the scariest. Now, of course, with anything else, after reflection and observation and discussion, I made some of these things is subject to change. But this is what came up kind of in my own self-discovery of what scared me in a real visceral way. So with no up order, I'm going to start with the ring. The ring scared the fucking ring out of me. <laughs> okay, like a dookie ring out of me. It scared the crap out of me. Let me tell you what, how I wound up seeing the ring. So I'm downstairs um, in my building. I'm at a get-together. Um, a friend of mine who owned the apartment, she had all these DVDs. And I was like, it was, you know, I was drinking and smoking. And it's like I wasn't sleepy. But the party was done. It was about 3 in the morning, 2, 3 in the morning. And I was like, I wanted to watch something. And I didn't have anything to watch. And uh, I was like, yeah, let me borrow something. And so my friend's like, all right. And um, I'm like, oh, I never saw the ring. Um, I'd only seen like the advertisement for it. I had never seen like the tread, like nothing. But I knew it was like something that was like hot that everyone was talking about. So I was like, oh, you got the ring. I want to watch that. I take the ring upstairs, put it on casually. Like, I'm going to go to sleep to the ring. I put that shit on. Yo, my dude, the minute I saw that girl turn around in the closet with that fucking that had been killed and she was in the closet after she did the whole seven days thing. And they, that you know that face. You know that motherfucking face. I was like, click, click, lights on, drinking water. Holy shit. I'm up. Ooh. Put on motherfucking Tom and Jerry because I'm up and I cannot sleep. I may never sleep again. Fuck, I picked the wrong movie. Like, I fell asleep. I didn't go to sleep till like 6 o'clock in the morning, till like daylight. So mad. So the ring scared, literally scared the fucking shit ring out of me. Okay? That's that's number one there. So, thanks, Pinky. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Number two. Like I said, this is in no order. So while it doesn't scare me in the same way now, the motherfucking exorcist was the scariest shit in my entire life for the longest time. So let me give you guys a little background here. Let me tell you how I wound up seeing the exorcist. So I'm a young kid, you know, probably like 11 and my mom, I had been talking this shit to my siblings. You know, I have older brother and two older sisters. And uh, kind of been talking them up like, you know, oh, I'll watch The Exorcist anytime. I ain't scared of The Exorcist. I had never even seen a commercial for The Exorcist. I just knew it was like the book and then the movie, like, and I'd read through some of the book. And I was like, whatever. And um, so one night my mom was going out. And my sister was like, we watching The Exorcist tonight. You want to watch it? And I was like, yeah, I'll fucking watch The Exorcist like that. Ain't nothing like you ain't scaring me with no fucking Exorcist. I'll sit up front. So 
seeing my dumb ass echo sitting all close to the TV. Like I'm watching this shit. I'm like, I'm actually fucking bored watching this movie. Like it's so nothing is happening. And um, right up until the part where Reagan comes downstairs and she goes, they're having the party and they're all singing around the piano and she comes downstairs and she's like, you're going to die up there talking about heaven and then pisses on the floor in front of the whole... Yo, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then the transformation happened and it fucked me up. I was sitting in front of that TV. (sighs) Oh my God. Like, I think my spine shot out through my fucking ass to the apartment downstairs. I was so terrified. I could not even move. I could not believe I was watching something that fucking scary. Like, I mean, I got up from in front of that TV so goddamn fast. And I think I lost about a year's worth of sleep. Longer than that. Like, that movie fucked me up for years, dude. I, at one point, I was in my 20s. And that shit used to fucking... If, I, if that fucking face came in my mind, I'd be like, up, oh, I'm up. Now, mind you, as an adult now in my 50s, I see that shit and it's like, I, it doesn't fuck with me like that no more. Like, I'd be by myself, it'd be three o'clock in the morning. I see that face, I'm turning the channel, whatever, but it don't, it ain't fucking with me like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not scared of it anymore. So, but I was for, you know, you have to overcome your fear. And I'm an atheist. So, I don't believe in, you know, all of that bullshit. But, it's still on a visceral level. It, I mean, it's a scary fucking thing to look at. And, you know, just all the dialogue and everything. It was just fucking scary, man. I don't, I don't know how those people let that, that girl fucking play in that movie, Linda Blair. Like, oof. Exorcist was some shit, man. That movie, you want to... You've never seen The Exorcist before? You watch The Exorcist on Halloween, you will want to punch somebody in the fucking face. Okay. Look, if you've never seen The Exorcist before, check this out. Go smoke a fat-ass joint. And then go smoke a fat-ass blunt and go watch The Exorcist. I promise you. That shit will scare you more than a fucking pregnancy test that said you're having septuplets. Okay? Okay. Um, So that's The Ring, The Exorcist. That's two. Number three, The Babadook. Baba Duke, 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 dude. So let me tell you how I saw the Baba Duke. <laughs> it's a fucking funny story. So I'm living in LA, and this was like right before I started dating my girlfriend at the time. Like right before we met, I was like on like a dating app, and so I meet this girl, and she's like, you know, we're talking on the phone, and she's like, this is Halloween, Halloween. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm, I, you know, I looked at her picture. She's bad, beautiful sister, short hair, wore these big ass African earrings, just a beautiful woman. And um, she's like, um, what are you doing tonight for Halloween? And I'm like, oh, I'm about to, you know, just watch a little movie and shit. And I said, to, you know, joking around, I say, you want to Netflix and chill? And she was like, where, you, where do you live? tell her where I live she was like I see you at nine or whatever and I was like oh shit (laughs) it it worked so she comes over and shit and oh my god this girl pulled up in the 
most fucked up hoopty you have ever seen in your entire life. Okay. Her car looked like fucking rickety rocket. Like, (laughs) I mean, her car looked like it got fucking swallowed and fucking vomited by a Megalodon. But I swear to you, she got out the fucking car. Her body was a 10. She, her shit, she was banging. Like she had on this fucking tight ass dress. Yo, one of my fucking neighbors was downstairs outside smoking a cigarette. He was like, yo, look at me. He looked up. She was like, he was like, yo, she coming upstairs. It's like, yeah, bruh. So she comes in, you know, we, you know, get to talking and shit, crack a bottle of wine, get to smoking, just talking, talking, talking. And um, she's like, yo, let's watch some horror. And I'm like, bet, what do you want to watch? She's like, yo, you ever seen the Babadook? And I'm like, Babadook? <laughs> like laughing, like, what the fuck is that? Like, I'm clowning her. Like, you know, because at this point, we're like comfortable with each other. I'm fucking joking with her about a car and everything. Now I'm cracking on her about the Babadook. I'm like, that shit sounds stupid. I was like, I ain't watching no fucking Babadook. And she's like, yo, I'm telling you, that shit is, is I heard it's scary. And I'm like, nothing called the fucking Babadook is scary. We start watching that movie. I'm fucking high as a kite. You know when you're a little bit too high? I was like, like I was a mess watching that movie. That motherfucking voice with that book and all that, man. Don't ever get high and watch the Babadook. Don't do it. Like, uh, as Black Panther once said, mistake. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, so that was a really interesting evening. Um, I had to eat some serious crow there. She was like, oh, Babadook is not scary. Yeah, you think the Babadook is scary? Mind you, um, here's a really funny story. So I did not select her as my girlfriend, right? I met another woman who I wound up in a relationship with for five years who were still great friends, great, great buddies right um but um we were in the, in our relationship um we saw the Baba Duke together and um man talk about getting in trouble in your relationship I did that Baba Duke voice to her in the dark yo she was so fucking pissed oh man but um anyway so that's the Baba Duke um number three number four <laughs> excuse me um hereditary I had no fucking clue what that movie was about. I promise you, promise you I had no movie, no idea. I put that movie on, like, thinking I'm going to fall asleep. That movie, I was like, yo, who the fuck told me to watch this shit? Because, like, one of my boys kept telling me, he was like, yo, you ever seen Hereditary? And I was like, no. And um, it was one of those movies where it was, like, weird. It was like I was caught in a time loop or something. Like, I kept watching it but then i would forget that i saw it because i would see it in different parts but i would never see a scary part and it just couldn't catch me and then i was like wait a second hereditary that's that shit that my boy told me to watch right and then i put it on and i'm like i'm thinking it's about to be some just some serious philosophical shit or whatever man the movie scared the fuck out of me okay i started watching that movie at like two o'clock in the morning on a saturday night as i'm fucking high as a kite okay and i'm just like fuck man 
can't catch a break. <laughs> but I loved it. Um, sorry, I, I'm pressed for time a little bit because it's really late. It's 327. And so I'm going to move on to my number five because number five is going to be need a little bit more uh, commentary here. It was 1979's The Amityville Horror, the original, which is a haunted house classic. Do not ever watch any of the sequels and do not ever watch that bullshit remake. God, that remake was so unnecessary. Okay, that shit was as fucking unnecessary as a second dickhole. Like, Jesus. Um, what made that movie so scary? The time period, 1979. You cannot recreate shit from that era. The way it looked, the way it felt, um, the way the people talked. Um, the movie took place, and it was based on a kind of loosely on a true story. Um, it, uh, uh, it took place in Long Island, New York. It was uh, these, excuse me, these brutal killings. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. Uh, where a son, I forget his, the family's name, but he claimed that he heard voices and it told him to kill his parents and then to kill his four siblings, okay? And then months later, the Luntz family moved in and was uh, also haunted by spirits and voices in the house, according to them. And then, you know, uh, they were driven, you know, out of the house as well. You know, remember the whole, get out, get out, you know, like the voices and all that. Yo, can you fucking imagine? That shit still creeps me out to this day. To this day, to this day. <laughs> fucking Deontay Wilder. Um, so I went to college on Long Island. I went to um, Southampton College, LIU. And I've been to that house. I went to that house on a dare. That house is fucking creepy. Now, I don't know if that's some type of effect from having seen the movie or not, but uh, it's creepy house. So don't get that twisted. You go to that fucking house and um, you'll shit your pants. Uh, ooh, it'd be great to go there trick-or-treating. Um, we didn't knock on the door. We weren't dicks like that. We didn't want to disturb the family. Okay, guys, I got a hard out. See you next time for part two. Same bat time, same bat channel. You understand or no? Hey, um, welcome to the Hey, um, welcome to the